welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Pride Kumalo. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening, our independent analyst, Jimmy Moyaha and Tamsan Naneta from Shiloh Capital. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Gentlemen, uh, it's been an interesting um, couple of days of trading in the month of August. I mean, uh, you look at the first... So two days were, you know, a reversal of a, you know, a big rally we saw, well, a big relief rally we saw during, you know, the month of July. And obviously now, yesterday, the U.S. market um, up a lot. And, you know, the, the locally today, the South African market following, uh, you know, on that path. Um, where did we close, Jimmy? And obviously, I'm going to ask you, uh, how are you finding the earnings season so far? I mean, tech seems to be standing on its own two feet. I think I'm, I'm quite happy that tech is standing on its own two feet. I'll start with that because it, tech has been taking quite a hammering uh, yep. of late. Um, it's, it's dipped quite a bit. We've, we've been waiting to see if we'll get a bottom out, if we'll get some form of reversal, some form of reprieve. Um, I mean, we, we've had the NASDAQ for, in the U.S. go from 16,000 points to as low as 11,000 points as well at one stage. And so I think the, the reprieve is very welcome at this stage. On the local front, I know um, our top 40 sitting above the 62,000 points mark. We're seeing a couple of uh, areas of positivity if we're looking at some of our local miners. Um, our financial sector stocks are um, sort of year-to-date. They're all in the green. So yeah. financials are still holding steady there, even though guys like APSA were down some 3% today. Um, but I think overall, uh, from, a, from a top 40 perspective, from a JSC perspective, we're starting to see that there's still a bit of um, risk on sentiment and risk on appetite towards us as an emerging market. We're still offering uh, attractive emerging market returns, particularly on the equities front. Um, and I'm liking the fact that uh, from, a, from a currency perspective, we're managing to hold below that 17 rand uh, per, to the dollar mark following those interest rate announcements, particularly because it's been so tough to sort of get a significant push down uh, on the rand closer to the 16 rand or, or 1550 level, um, given our uh, other factors that we're looking at. But for now, we take the fact that we're able to hold below 17 rand and below 1675 as a big positive. Yeah, yeah. Look, we'll take any small wins as South Africans at this point. I mean, uh, traveling can be very expensive when you're South African. <laughs> uh, Tamsang, I mean, your friend at AQR, you know, uh, Cliff Esnes, is still, uh, you know, releasing notes saying that uh, the, the value versus, you know, growth, there's still a big gap to go. And obviously, most of his funds are up about 34% a year to day on average. And they seem to be also going up, you know, in tandem with growth stocks that are seeing quite the recovery. So who's losing money this year? <laughs> uh, the people on Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> so the small, the small man, that's me. That's me and the man on the street. So I think... I think the retail investors who invest in hype are, are, are taking a beating. But in general, uh, if you maintain the strategy of buying quality companies over the long term, you're going to be fine. I think uh, what we're seeing now is that there's a big, big disconnect between uh, asset prices and asset value. Um, for example, the tech stocks still maintaining value. They're showing their numbers, especially in cloud computing, yeah. and how they continue to earn big revenues but the stock does not necessarily reflect that outcome. And I think it's important to recognize that 
uh, there can be moments in the market where great companies can have terrible stock prices. Uh, the revaluation is going to happen as long as the central bank commits to raising interest rates, or the Fed rather, commits to uh, interest rates. We've had two quarters of negative growth in the U.S., although they are denying that that's the classic definition of a recession. It is. So we're looking at a, a market where if you understand how to value companies and buy gems, you're going to do very, very well, especially if if you pick the right sort of industries and right stocks and right companies, right leadership uh, that can guide you. Uh, Outside of that, I think everyone else on the speculative side of the fence is going to lose not one but two shirts. Yo, ah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting you know, view of viewing um, today's market. I, I guess we did say at the beginning of the year that it's going to be a, a stock picker's market, and that's what you're still saying. <laughs> so, and and it's, it actually has been a stock picker's market, to say the least. It depends on which stocks you're on uh, or in. Um, you know, that determines your performance. Let's jump into our questions for the day. Uh, we have a, a question on the SMS line here uh, asking um, the panel's view on capital and county, so Capco. Do you guys follow Capco at all? Jimmy? Uh, no, 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 not on my side. Um, haven't, haven't followed them for, for quite some time. Um, can't really express much of a view on them, unfortunately. Ooh. I do have a question, maybe that'll be even more interesting because rather than asking about one property company, this one says, hello team, ask the panel, is there a way of um, looking at Satrix property ETF for the long term or should I look at other ones? So this is the, you know, the prop 10, the, the top 10 biggest property companies listed on the JSE and it's, it's, a, it's an index. So... What's your view, basically, on REITs in South Africa, Jimmy? Well, I think if you're going to be looking at the property uh, space, um, there are some guys that you can look at individually. I think your your index is obviously going to give you some of, somewhat of a balanced approach depending on your your risk appetite. We know guys like Growth Point um, in the property space have. Um, reported sort of mixed numbers between their office and their uh, commercial and retail segments. Um, but we know that uh, there's been uh, other rates that have reported really good uh, growth prospects. Um, I, I know guys like the Mira Property Fund as well that are holding uh, sort of diversified sectors um, of property or property assets. So I think if you're looking in the property space, you want to be looking where um, you're going to be uh, positively impacted by things around foot traffic, things around return to normal. We know that the property space took uh, quite a bit of a hit uh, when we looked at it from uh, a commercial and office perspective, and they're still suffering to or struggling to return with that in some respects. But I think if you're looking at property as a whole and as a sector, um, and you're looking to sort of get a diversified approach, you would be uh, well-suited with uh, sort of that property index that, that balances that out. But if you're looking for specific gains around uh, specific performance uh, performances from companies, you might want to zero in on one or two of the key players or one or two of the key uh, property funds. Yeah, I mean, some of the constituents I see there is like SA Corporate Real Estate, Wheeler Properties, Growth Point, Investec Property, Redefy, Napiro Castle, Resilient, Attack, High Prop, and Fortress, uh, both Fortress A and B. So Samsung... Uh, what do you think about um, you know SA property um, and and the REIT space here in South Africa? Is it investable at all? 
I think in certain pockets it is. Um, it's not a case of a broad, broad approach. Uh, the quality of the assets and more importantly, the price that uh, the developers or, or the developers developed it and the REITs bought it at. I think a lot of the, the skirmishes we've had around REITs has been around valuation and uh, a lot of the funds have taken a beating around that. So I think what's important is to understand the assets they hold and the value at which they bought those assets uh, and the projected future usage of those assets, the LTV ratios, uh, and and the view of how they look to as management repay those long term liabilities. And and so which I think, I think, yes. uh, which sorry, which two would you pick then in that case? I think Rubosis uh, is is doing pretty well. I think that would be um, rather at the top of my list. And I'm 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 also leaning towards the invested property. Uh, they I think they know how to manage things properly at that part. Um, and and as a and growth point would be my third option, but I think my primary would definitely be reposes. So reposes is a nice turnaround story, and I like you know the balance you're bringing between reposes and something stable like a growth point in an invest tech. So um, it, it sounds good, you know, if you if you are in in, in portfolio building mode. Uh, yeah. Um, any 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 parting words there before you go to the break, um, Jimmy? Which one would you pick if you had to pick, you know, in these reads locally? Just give me two names. Well, um, well, I am liking um, the the stability that Tamsang um, mentioned around growth point, but I think I'd, I'd uh, sort of go with someone like an Investec as well, uh, just to throw that into the mix. Um, I have in the past sort of leaned towards uh, guys that are similar to your Mira property funds and all of that. Um, but I think for the moment I'm I'm not against Rubosis at all. I have looked at that in the past, and it did look attractive at one stage. So I'd probably still just add Investec just to that list. So let's move on from that now. We have a question here from Nelson who says, uh, what's the view of you guys, obviously, on Kumba at this level as a dividend player for the long term? I know, Jimmy, uh, you follow these ones very closely. Yeah, um, something Tamsangwa mentioned earlier around uh, companies sort of having good numbers and the the share price not near, not necessarily backing it is, is something that yeah. I've uh, picked up with Kumba. Earnings per share over the last three years have averaged at about 25% a year over the last three years, yet the share price is only up some 3 to 5% um, relatively speaking. So, sorry? Disappointing. Yeah, no, no, very disappointing. And I mean, you look at Kumba now, they're also now saying that um, they reported sort of a 50% drop in uh, H1 profits. Uh, they're expecting earnings to decline some 5-odd percent uh, every year for the next three years. So their earnings forecast is not looking too great. Uh, production was down when they reported, I think about um, a week ago, they reported production down about 13%. So overall, the concern around companies like Kumba is particularly at a time like this where you're seeing pockets of um, booms in commodities pricing and pressures on the commodity spaces that mining stocks are able to leverage off of. It's interesting to see that you're not getting um, as much of a, a result from them as you'd expect to see in some spaces. Uh, we know that sometime, uh, in some respects the iron ore space has been under a bit of pressure. Um, but this is something that you can also see has been translating into uh, Anglo-American, which is the parent company. Yeah. This is Anglo-American's um, model and business um, 
plan. I mean, they, they sort of listed Kumba separately and they've started to do that with a couple of other businesses so that their main share price uh, from movements like this and from performances like this um, isn't as adversely affected as, as what it would have been in the past. Yeah, especially in, in a group level. Um, Tamsang, do you want to speak about Kumba as well or do you want to jump in um, to Zida rather? Um, would you say Zida is a growth stock that you look at? No, I wouldn't say that. I think um, at this point, uh, with with companies like Zida, what you're looking at is the ability of management to find great agricultural businesses, uh, bring them into the fold, and translate their profits, their free cash flows, into the earnings of Zida. Now, we've seen that over time, uh, those type of conglomerates suffer quite a bit, whether it's process as big as they are with the with their NAV gap. Uh, we look at same as PSG looking to delist now for the same reason, and Zeta suffering the same problem. I think uh, at at best, I think what they really need to do is look at not being a public traded company and actually become an agri fund uh, that invests in these businesses. And when these businesses do well, bring them to market. Um, I'm not necessarily saying the assets they hold are undervalued or underwater, but I can only get access to to those assets through them. And that sort of umbrella makes it hard for me to say I actually hold what I hold and understand what the businesses are, what their cash flows are, what the management is doing, what they are planning over the future. Um, so ideally, I would stay away from these sort of conglomerate type stocks. Um, they don't really offer uh, the, the kind of value they are working hard to try and deliver. Yeah, I mean, the shareholders haven't done too badly from receiving those gap ugly shares, right? And that, that business is standing on its own as well. I mean, uh, fending for itself on the JSC, which is going to be interesting, uh, you know, not having big shareholders like you used to in the past, like PSG. But anyways, um, let's move on. Um, do, do you have, sorry, Jimmy, do you have anything to add on Zeta before I move on? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I agree with Tantanwa in that the um, unbundling of Carp Agri was a good thing for the business. Um, we saw that following the, the sale of that logi their logistics group, um, they did uh, sort of issue a special dividend there. But the concern around uh, the company uh, is rightly around um, the fact that their business model relies on them being able to um, have constant acquisitions that are going to result in profitability. And if you look at their portfolio, if their portfolio starts to thin out a little too much yeah. or they're a little yeah. light on the, the assets within the portfolio, it then becomes questionable as to how they're going to then offer um, those valued returns, whereas like with the Carp Agri unbundling, they were able to unlock value for shareholders by eliminating that discount between the two businesses. Um, I think uh, the their positioning at the moment is very heavily dependent on the success of what they have in their portfolio, and that could be a bit of a riskier approach um, given that we're in, in times where we're seeing acquisitions and disposals that we haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> the JSC has been a very interesting place to be. Um, definitely also, again, uh, you know, stock pickers market because there's a lot of activity, you know, M&A and unbundlings and value creation. Everyone is just seeking, uh, you know, to send their share price up and they're doing something about it, which is good. It's good for shareholders in general. Um, we've got a question here from Sean Case who says, uh, any insights as to why British American tobacco has fallen in recent days? Uh, Tamsang, you follow Big Tobacco. Um, it's not a stock. We, it's not a stock we follow. Um, but 
I would surmise uh, the, the the macro trends towards uh, consumption, disposable income, and an operating environment in South Africa and our markets they operate. But uh, outside that, I really don't follow stocks, so I wouldn't know. Jimmy, BTI? Um, they, they announced there was a transaction in their shares. Um, recently, I think it was an, the announcement came through today. Um, I'm also just seeing that they had a couple of uh, other announcements in recent times um, around some of their numbers, but I, I can't really attribute any one direct thing to the drop in shareholding. Uh, you, typically, when you look at a transaction um, of its own shares or a transaction from its directors, you expect that that would result in um, sort of a, a, a reinvestment of confidence or a, um, just a strengthening of the view of the company. Um, but in the short term, I'm not seeing anything that's particularly driving them down. I know the tobacco industry was under a bit of pressure um, from some of the guys that reported on the continent uh, earlier uh, last week as well. But I don't think that that would have driven uh, BAT down as much as it has in recent times. Share price is still holding, though, um, sitting uh, above sort of 30-odd pounds on, on the London Stock Exchange. So still holding um could be a good point to enter if you are looking to see it uh, start to push up a bit, but we could still push a bit lower um, towards that, uh, I, that, call it sort of a March low that we saw uh, in March of this year. Yeah, okay. Let's move on to our SMS line. Uh, Leo here says, um, Old Mutual, is Old Mutual a good prospect over the next 12 months? Tamsang, Old Mutual? Um, my argument is no. Um, so, Why? Uh, in essence, the two, two particular reasons, um, the products they sell largely depend on people's view. So, uh, funeral products, life products, insurance products as a whole, and their investment products really rely on how people view the economy in the future. Um, as, as much as people are committed to ensuring that uh, they make sure their funeral policies and sort of other insurances are up to scratch, there's a whole other set of insurances people will be set to reduce or move to cheaper alternatives as things get a bit tighter. Um, so my view is, as a growth or as a business that you're going to make a, a decent yield from, um, not not in the short term, not in the next 12 months, but as a stable uh, sort of stock to have in your portfolio that anchors your entire portfolio, then it's a good stock to hold. So if your strategy is looking for, for growth and continued income, um, I would say no. Um, it's a very large conglomerate business with a lot of with a lot of uh, markets that they are servicing. So you are unlikely to see their ability to grow versus, say, uh, on the private side, King Price and Hollard, uh, and on the public side, other sort of insurers like Discovery. Okay. Okay, interesting. Uh, it's, I mean, the, 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 the insurance space has always been... Uh, you know, super competitive, um, and only guys with scale and size tend to win in the long term. But like in the really long term, we're talking about super long term here. Uh, let's jump into our moment of truth here. I'll start with you, Jimmy. Your stock pick for the evening. Stock pick. Samsung. Um, I mentioned it earlier. He alluded to it earlier for me. Thanks for that. It's Robin Hood. Um, <laughs> it's looking super cheap before. right now. Like super cheap. <laughs> 
and they're the, doing uh, really well. I mean, that's the thing, right? You've got a you've got a share price that's bottomed out at about six dollars. It's trading trading at about ten dollars. We saw a seventeen percent rally yesterday, despite the fact that um, they announced an earnings slump of some forty something odd percent. Initial price target is up to thirteen fifty. We get beyond that, we can push to eighteen to twenty dollars. Beyond that, it's basically a free run up to twenty uh, to, to thirty to forty dollars. It's a good tech play for me. You know, I've always liked my tech stocks. Um, they've, they've done really well in terms of their announcements around optimizing uh, expenses, cutting down on expenses, optimizing operations to drive profitability. And for the longest time, that's been a concern around getting the company to profitability. I think, of course, we need to, we can't ignore the fact that um, should a recession be triggered, uh, Robinhood users are, are largely on the younger end of that demographic. And so they might be impacted by um a full-on recession, uh, but overall, it's really discounted at the moment. It's got upside potential north of two to three hundred percent, and I'm happy with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, who's you know the founder of FTX, is said to be sniffing around there as well. So there could be a transaction on the line. Who knows? Uh, and he's been very busy, yeah. by the way, buying a whole host of um, you know exchanges assets and i don't know i wonder where he gets all the cash but anyways uh tom sang your picture <laughs> evening uh natural resources uh the canadian listed business that has gold assets they have recently acquired a high quality gold asset in uh, the south of zimbabwe they're drilling well and they're manufacturing well uh, product producing well and beneficiating well beneficiating well so i think uh, that stock is going to do well over the next 12 to 18 months yeah, this looks like it trades on appointment. I mean, look, look at that share price. It looks like a barcode. Samsung, can I, can I trade this thing? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, thank you yeah, very much. <laughs> thank you very much. I'm the risk guy. I'm the risk guy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Samsung. I mean, it's, it's, it's Pambili, right? Um, you going with Pambili. Yeah. And uh, to balance that out, um, you, you know, Jimmy is going with... Uh, Robin Hood. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And I, I always enjoy having the show with you. I always learn new things. Uh, with that said, uh, thanks to my guest, independent analyst Jimmy Moya and Samsung Laneta from Shiloh Capital. Do join Zinati for the Friday edition of Stockwatch. That's tomorrow at 19.30. Uh, have a good evening. <laughs>